بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد رسول الکریم اما بعد الحمد للہ جنائٹ از دا ٹوینٹی ففتھ آف ایپرل ان دی ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی تھری الحمد للہ وی موڈ آن ٹو دا سیکنڈ of the eminent companion Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu So to move on to a brief description of this noble man and his age In Imam Ahmad in his Musnad number 3961 with a Sahih channel transmission Ibn Sakhbara rahmatullah alayhi said وَقَانَ عَبْدُ اللَّهِ رَجُلًا عَادَمْ لَهُ الدَّفْرَانِ عَلِيهِمْ مِسْحَةُ أَحْلِ الْبَادِيَةِ Sayyidina Abdullah radiyallahu was a dark man with two blades and he had the look of the people of the desert. So in this Sayyid hadith, one of his students, Rahmatullah he described Abdullah, he goes, he had two blades, meaning he had a lot of hair and he split it into two. He was dark, I, of a dark complexion, and he had a look of a person in the desert, I, the Badia. And similarly, Ubaidullah ibn Abdullah ibn Utbah, rahmatullah, he said, Sayyidina Abdullah radiyallahu was a thin, short man with very dark skin. He did not dye his hair with henna. This is in Ibn Sa'ad in his Tabakat, volume 3, page 118 of the English translation in the chapter on the companions of Badr. So another contemporary said he was a short and also thin man, but he had very dark skin and he wouldn't dye his hair. His complexion was such due to his being a shepherd and thus being constantly exposed to the intense heat of the Arabian sun. So this is important. There's two ways you can have a dark complexion. One is you're born with a dark complexion. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, he was not born with a dark complexion. It's because of his being a, a shepherd. And in, obviously in the Makkan, in Makkah, the heat reaches around 50 degrees. So he's constantly exposed to the sun. Because of that, he became very dark-skinned. He was also short in height with an apparently frail body. In the Ibn Sa'ad in Istabakat, volume 3, page 118 of the English translation in the chapter on the companions of Badr. Hafiz Zahabi in his Seer 1-436, Abu Nu'im al-Hilya 1-129. The last statement of Umar is also recorded in Tabarani in his Kabir number 9735 and Al-Bidayah. Zayd ibn Wahab rahmatullah alayhi said, I was once sitting with Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab radiyallahu when Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu arrived and subhanallah the people almost concealed him because of how short he was which made Umar radiyallahu laugh when he finally saw him. Let's stop in the report. So again in this authentic report ibn Mas'ud comes but because the people he was short they very easily you, you know they hidden behind the people but when he emerged Umar radiyallahu he laughed when he saw him out of love. Umar radiyallahu then began speaking to him and his face brightened and he laughed with him 
and gave him his complete attention. Then Abdullah ibn Mas'ud turned and left. Umar then followed him with his eyes until he disappeared from view. And he then said, He is a small vessel, but do not be deceived, for he is filled with knowledge. And he repeated this three times. He is a small vessel, do not be deceived, he is filled with knowledge. So in this authentic report, you can see that Umar had a great love for him. And I'll mention that at the relevant time, radiyallahu. And he loved his company. But then he would tell the people, don't look at his outward. Because if you look outwardly, he doesn't look like he's much. He's a short man. He's dark-skinned. His background is not much. He's a shepherd. He's not even, he's an ally of the Quraysh. But he goes, I'm telling you, he goes, he's filled with knowledge. With regards to his age, Hafiz ibn Hajar Asqalani mentioned in Fatt al-Badi 7-103, he was over 60 years of age upon his passing away in the year 32 AH during the Khalifa of the Uthman. So with a simple calculation, we can thus determine that Abdullah ibn Mas'ud was around 39 to 40 years of age upon our beloved messenger's passing, which occurred 21 years earlier, thus making him around 16 to 17 years of age upon the proclamation of prophethood, I 23 years earlier than that. So have you understood the calculation? You go to his passing, and he passed away 32 AH. In which year did the prophet pass away? Is it 10 or 11 AH? Good, right? So 11 AH. So if Ibn Mas'ud passed away 32 AH, how many years after the Prophet? 20, 20 years. So if you just make a simple calculation, and he was over 60 when Ibn Mas'ud passed away, how old was he when Rasulullah passed away? Take away 20, so he's 40, around 39, 40. Then you can make another calculation, go back 23 years, and you go back to the beginning of prophethood. So how old was Ibn Mas'ud now? 16, 17. So this is how the scholars work out the ages, unless there's a direct text indicating this. So he was very young. He was a teenager when he embraced Islam. So now let's mention something about his family. First, his father. Sayyidina Abdullah, whose father was Mas'ud ibn Ghafil. In Ibn Sa'ad in Istabakat, volume 3, page 114 of the English translation in the chapter on the companions of Badr, it mentions Mas'ud ibn Ghafil had made an alliance with Abdullah ibn al-Harith ibn Zuhra in the Jahiliyyah. Simply put, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud's family were allied to the Quraysh and not from amongst them. So this is important. When you say allied, what does that mean? In those days, you allied yourself to have protection. So if you allied yourself with a tribe, that tribe will protect you. You've become one of them, for want of a better word. So who did Abdullah ibn Mas'ud's family ally with? It was Bani Zuhra. And this is the tribe of Abdul Rahman ibn Awf, Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas, the maternal side of the Prophet so this indicates clearly he wasn't from amongst the Quraysh. He was allied to them. His father Mas'ud sadly passed away during the Jahiliyyah. But his mother, 
as mentioned, embraced Islam. And thus also had the much treasured intimacy with the prophetic household. So his father, we don't know much about. And the reason is, if anybody passes away in Jahiliyyah, there's not much detail. Why would you record the Jahiliyyah? We know who his father was. His name was Mas'ud. We know he allied to the Banu Zuhra. And that's as far as we know about his father. So he definitely passed away in Jahiliyyah. His mother embraced Islam, and I've mentioned it already. Where? In Sayyid Bukhari. Sayyid Muslim, number 6326-7, in the chapter on the virtues of the companions. Abu Musa al-Ashari said, We noticed that Abdullah ibn Mas'ud looked as if he was a member of Rasulullah's family. For we constantly saw him and his mother frequently visiting and staying with Rasulullah without any restraint. So who did Ibn Abu Musa mention explicitly? His mother. So not only Ibn Masood had the intimacy, it was his mother as well. Indicated she embraced Islam, obviously. In another report it mentions, in Ibn Sa'ad in Istabakat, volume 3, page 114 of the English translation in the chapter on the companions of Badr, the mother of Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud was Sayyida Um Abd bint Abd Wad ibn Sawa. So now, her name is quite difficult. But her name is frequently mentioned with her son. How? To honor his respected mother, our beloved messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, would often refer to her son as Ibni Umi Abd, which translates the son of the mother of the servant. Subhanallah. So think about that. So whenever you hear this name, Ibni Umi Abd, who is being referred to? It's Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. But why is he called that? The son of the mother of the servant. Because the mother is being honored. The father passed away in Jahiliyyah. You understand? Therefore, it's not appropriate to mention the father here. But the Rasulullah would honor him by saying, Ibn Ummi Abd, the son of the mother of the servant. So note, he was being honored even with the titles that Allah Ta'ala was giving him. Indeed, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud would often be seen showing his great obedience to his mother. For instance, Hafiz ibn Jawzi in his Birrul Walidayn, Anas ibn Nadr Ashja'i he said, One night, the mother of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud requested some water. By the time ibn Mas'ud brought it, his mother had fallen asleep. He thereupon stood by her until the break of dawn, holding the bowl of water. So let's look at this. So first of all, it was night. So what does that tell you? Normally at night, a person goes back to his own family. He's with his mother. He's serving his mother during the night. And she says, I need some water. And of course, water is not easy to get hold of. You've got to go, to go to a well. It's not like now, go to a tub. So he went. But as he went to get the water, when he came back, his mother had fallen asleep. Did he wake his mother up? No. He didn't even sit. He stood. And he waited for her to wake up. Only then gave her the bowl of water. 
Now, what's interesting about this report? This incident is similar to the famous narrative of the three righteous souls who were trapped in a cave and then recounted a deed of theirs to secure the divine help in freeing themselves, which is famously recorded in Bukhari and Muslim, one of whom would milk his goat or sheep and then before returning to his own family, he would first go to his parents to offer them the milk. One fateful day, they were asleep. Thus this righteous son stood there with the milk and let them awoke at their own leisure. <laughs> so now, this incident is famous. The Prophet mentioned a very famous incident. Said, Allah, three people in a cave. It was a very, you know, it was a storm that broke out. And as fate would have it, there was an avalanche. So a, whole, a huge boulder covered the mouth of the cave. They were trapped inside. So the three of them said, think of a deed that you did. We'll use it as a shafa. And this shows they were learned. They didn't say, let's make direct dua, which they could have. So one of them, what was the deed he went through to ask Allah to help him with regards to removing the boulder? It was a similar incident. He goes, oh my Lord, you know full well that when I would milk the flocks, I wouldn't go back to my family. I'd go to my parents first, give them milk. But one day they were asleep. And he goes, I just stood there. I didn't want to wake them up. If I did that for your pleasure, please move the boulder. And subhanAllah, the boulder moved slightly. <laughs> didn't completely move. It moved slightly. So now, why have I mentioned this? Ibn Mas'ud was emulating that man. His mother was asleep. He didn't wake his mother up. He stood. So you shouldn't find it strange. He's actually a faqih. He knows how to apply the hadith. So no, this is honoring. And also another fine point here. Who's got greater rights over you? Your mother, your father, or your wife and children? Yeah, and this proves it. Because they went to their mother and father first. Then they went back to their family. So mother and father, then children, then your own children. Because people start querying this. They go, no, 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 maybe my own flesh and blood have first right. And the answer is, if you look at the traditions, no, that's not correct. And did Allah Ta'ala... Was he pleased with this? Of course, he allowed the rock to be, to be removed. He also had a brother. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu's brother was called Utbah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu. How do we know? In Abu Nu'aym al-Hilya, volume 4, page 253, Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 4, page 164, the New English Translation, Aun rahmatullah he said, when Abdullah ibn Mas'ud heard about the death of his brother, Sayyidina Utbah, he began to weep. When asked why was he weeping, he replied, He was my brother in lineage and my companion with Rasulullah. However, despite this, I would not have liked to die before him because for him to pass away, and for me to anticipate the rewards for my patience at losing him is dearer to me than for me to pass away and for him to anticipate the rewards for patience upon losing me. <laughs> so look at the beauty in the report. He loved his brother. His brother passed away. He wept. But then he said something very interesting. He goes, but I'm happy that he's passed away before me. <laughs> Now, so on the face of it, one minute is weeping 
And now he's saying that I'm, because well, it looked like you wanted to pass away first. He goes, no, because I want to get the reward for patience upon his passing. I would rather like that reward more than my brother. Now, what did he mean by that? What he meant was, you don't, you compete with each other when it comes to deeds. You understand? Even though it was his brother, he loved him, he was sad upon his passing, he's competing. He goes, Alhamdulillah, Allah has given me the tawfiq to show patience. In another report, Khaythamara Diyallahu added that Abdullah ibn Mas'ud said that this weeping is because of the mercy that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed in the heart that man has no control over. This is in Ibn Sa'ad and Istabakat, volume 4, page 94. Ayat al-Sahaba, volume 4, page 164 of the New English Translation. So he even said this weeping. Now, why did he mention that? Because Rasulullah wept, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when his son Ibrahim passed away. So when the Sahaba asked, why are you weeping? Ya Rasulullah. And he says, this is mercy. Because Allah has put rahim in the hearts of the creation. And then he says, but we will never say anything to displease Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So note again, the carbon copy of the Prophet Ibn Masood goes, mercy. These are the tears. Because Rasulullah wept. Who am I not to weep upon the death of somebody who is beloved? Because, because we got no control over this. On the same theme, it is related by Abu Al-Ahwas. Awf ibn Malik ibn Khadla al-Jushami, rahmatullahi. We once visited Abdullah ibn Mas'ud as he was with his three sons, who appeared radiant like three gold coins. So now what's interesting, stopping the report. He got married later, he had children. His children were extremely handsome. They, they glowed with nur. And the report goes they were like three gold coins. As we looked at the three boys, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud understood our feelings and he said, it seems that you envy me because of the three boys. We replied, it is because of such things that a person is truly the envy of all. <laughs> so he noticed that they were like looking at his sons and you could see that you know they admired this. And they testified to that. He goes, who wouldn't admire this so teacher? Abdullah ibn Mas'ud then looked up at the low ceiling of his dwelling where a sparrow had built a nest. And he said, I prefer dusting off from my hands from the graves of these three boys rather than a single egg falling and breaking from the sparrow's nest. This is in Abu Na'im al-Hiliya, Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 3, page 342 of the New English Translation. Now, what did he mean by that? So there goes, we admire you for your three beautiful sons. What did he say? And this shows how humble he lived. He lived in a, in a, in a dwelling and the ceiling was so low. Now, what's interesting? Why was there a sparrow nest in the dwelling? Because normally they go to places out of the reach of people. And this shows that even the animal animal life loved the Sahab. Imagine how fortunate that sparrow was living in the dwelling of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. And he looked up and he saw the sparrow with the nest. And look what he said. If it was up to me, for a single egg of that sparrow to fall, if a choice was given to me, would you like that egg to fall? Or would you like to bury your three sons? Because I would love to bury my three sons if he was up to me. 
Now, why did he say that? You know, you got to think about his statement. Why do you think he said that to his students when they were admiring his three sons? Because there's too many subhanallahs. People say subhanallah. You know, they say subhanallahs. What's the reward for the patience? That's first of all. Okay. But why did he say it at that time? Is it because of his passing away uh, or his students? Or because they probably thought that basically this is like no everything anybody would ever want. But basically he said no. You know, okay. It's better than that. So you're on the right track. What's the best thing your children can do for you? No. Take you to paradise. How did they take you to paradise? Or passing away. Passing away before you. And then what do you need to show? Patience. Patience. So what he was saying was, do you admire my three sons? This is what he's, this is the problem here. We just say subhanallah. Don't know what the statement is. And that subhanallah might be riyah. Because you don't even know what you're saying subhanallah for. Right? So the meaning here was, he was explaining to them because these three boys, what basically greater benefit can I get from them than for them to die? Me, just my hands, show patience and paradise is mine. And he goes, and look what he said, something, you know, if you think about it, which Muslim on the first surface of the earth would say this? You got a choice. One egg dropping from that sparrow or your three sons getting buried. Which one? You think, well, the whole nest collapse. And at the same time, look at his love for the creation. He didn't want any harm to come to anybody else. Even as, um, as that's why that sparrow was there. He knew who this person was. Even that sparrow knew more than many Muslims of today's day and age. At the same time, you can see how much love he had for others. And he was always teaching. He never lost an opportunity to teach. So another report, clarifying further. In Abu Na'im al-Hiliya, Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 3, page 342 of the New English Translation, Abu Uthman, rahmatullahi he said, I used to sit in the company of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud in Kufa, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, who at the time was married to two beautiful women of high birth and had the most beautiful children from them. As he was sitting on a raised place, a sparrow started chirping above and then emptied its belly on Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. As he wiped the mess, he said, I prefer that the family of Abdullah pass away and I then follow them in death rather than this sparrow dying. This is another incident. So now what is the great Abdullah ibn Mas'ud saying? So he's in his dwelling and he mentions he had two wives and he had beautiful children from his wives. And that sparrow, probably the same, it must be, it was in his dwelling, probably the same. And he goes, it basically, you know, dropped a load on him. And look what happened. Did he get angry? No. Did he get upset? No. He just wiped it. And look what he said. I prefer that my family pass away. And I follow them, than this sparrow dying. Meaning, I've got nothing against it whatsoever. He goes, it's a creation. I don't want any harm to come to it. I would like, and look how interesting, all my family to that, meaning I show patience, then I follow. He goes, nothing, I don't want no harm to come to that spot. 
So what do we start learning about Abdullah ibn Mas'ud? He was a faqih. And he was always making people register, understand the reality of things. In the Sahih, it mentions, the reward upon patiently losing a loved one is no other than paradise. Now this doesn't mean your family. It was somebody that you love. Could be a, 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 a brother, a sister, an uncle. Could be a cousin. Could be a friend. If you show patience upon losing a loved one, Sayyid Bukhari, paradise is yours. So this is what Ibn Masood was referring to. So let's go to his brother just to add this to finish. It is related in Ibn Ishaq, Ibn Kathir, Sira, volume 2, page 3 of the English translation that both the noble brothers had the honor of migrating to Abyssinia during the early persecutions and thereafter to Al-Madinah. Refer to Ibn Sa'ad in Istabakat, volume 3, page 116 of the English translation in the chapter on the companions of Badr. So these are a little bit we know about his brother. So his brother is Utbah ibn Mas'ud. If a person asks, what do we know about him? He migrated to Abyssinia. He has that honor. Then... He came back and he migrated to Al-Madinah with his brother as well. So he's got the honor of two migrations. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be well pleased with all the illustrious family members of this noble family and forgive us all for their honorable sake. Amen. So all I mentioned today was a short brief with regards to his blessed description. And also then to have a connection with his blessed family. Are there any questions?